Chapter 18 Castle in the Air Higher and higher they climbed in search of the castle and the two banished princesses. From one crest to the next, from jagged rock to jagged rock, up frightful crumbling cliffs and along desperately narrow ledges where a single misstep meant only goodbye. An ominous silence dropped like a curtain around them, and except for the scuffling of their frantic footsteps, there wasn't a sound. And Milo knew. The goddamn flies. Since you've already broken uh, reading, uh, what was the name of the last chapter? I feel like we've skipped ahead. And I'm breaking, I am uh, moving the curtain here because... if we are in the right chapter, we're just going to leave this in. But Unwelcoming committee. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, we. Uh, it's been weeks since we've read, guys. That's why I'm super lost right now. So, uh... And we have not pre-read them also. That I'm do do, do you know where you are? <laughs> I didn't, but I do now. You're in an endless epic. One of these days you'll get it I'll right. I'll get it right. And here, there'll be dragons. It'll happen. Welcome back, guys, to Endless Epic. I am your indubitable host, Castle, and my Forget- hetero life mate and forgetful and co-host. brother, <laughs> Mr. Smith, a.k.a. the real thick Jesus, is here with me now. Uh, and we are in the Phantom Tollbooth, or rather, we are in the world of the Phantom Tollbooth. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, we are back in it. getting getting very close to the end. Super close, way closer than I thought. <laughs> Chapter eighteen. I think we have we have four episodes left in total. Crazy, uh, including this one. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be done from then. And it uh, for anybody who is wondering, it's looking like The Witcher is going to be our next series. Exciting. So if any of you are wanting to vote on that, you can always head over to the Patreon page and uh, for a dollar, you can get your vote in and uh, help decide what our next book is going to be. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's read on and pick up where I messed up. (laughs) Sorry about that. The world that Milo knew was a million thoughts away and the demons, the demons were there in the distance. They're gaining, shouted the humbug, wishing he never looked back. But there it is, cried Milo at the same instant, for straight ahead, climbing up from the top, from atop the highest peak, was a spidery spiral stair, and at the other end stood the castle in the air. I like the little, uh, yeah, that was a nice little, a little rhyme little going rhyme on there. I see it, I see it, said the happy bug as they struggled up the twisting mountain trail. But what he didn't see was that curled up right in front of the first step was a little round man in a frock coat sleeping peacefully on a very large and well-worn ledger. A long quill pin sat precariously behind his ear. There... There were ink stains, there were ink stains, all over his hands and face, as well as his clothing, and he wore a pair of the thickest eyeglasses that Milo had ever seen. Be very careful, whispered Talk, that was no whisper, when they'd finally reached the top, and the humbug stepped gingerly around and started up the stairs. Names, 
the little man called out briskly, just as the startled bug reached the first step. He sat up quickly and pulled the book out from under him, put on a green eye shade, and waited with his pin poised in the air. Well, I stammered the bug. Names! he cried again, and he would. And as he did, he opened the book to page 512 and began to write furiously. The quill made horrible scratching noises, and the point, which was continuously catching the paper, flicked tiny ink blots all over him. As they called out their names, he noted them carefully in alphabetical order. Splendid, 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 he muttered to himself. I haven't had an M in ages. <coughs> what do you need our names for? Asked Milo, looking anxiously over his shoulder. We're in a bit of a hurry. Oh, this won't take long. Oh, this won't take a minute, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, man uh, <laughs> the man assured them. <clears throat> I am the official senses taker. And I must have some information before I can take your senses. Now, if you'll just tell me when you were born, where you were born, why you were born, how old you are now, how old you were then, how old you'll be in a little while, and your mother's name, your father's name, your aunt's name, your uncle's name, your cousin's name, where you live, how long you've lived there, your schools you attended, the schools you haven't attended, your hobbies, the telephone number, your shoe size, your shirt size, your collar size, your hat size, and the names, addresses of six people who can verify all of this information, we'll get started. One at a time, please. Stand in a line, no pushing, no talking, no peeking. The humbug, who had a difficulty remembering anything, went first. <clears throat> The little man leisurely recorded each answer in five different places, pausing often to polish his glasses and clear his throat, straighten his tie, and blow his nose. He managed to also cover the distressed bug from head to foot in ink. Next! He announced very officially. I do wish he'd hurry, said Milo, stepping forward, for in the distance he could see the first of the demons already beginning to scale the mountain toward them no more than a few minutes away. The little man wrote with painful deliberation. Finally finished with both Milo and Talk, he looked up happily. Now may we go? asked the dog, whose sensitive nose had picked up the loathsome, evil smell that grew stronger every second. By all means, said the man agreeably. Just as soon as you finish telling me your height, your weight, the number of books you read each year, the number of books you don't read each year, the amount of time you spend eating, playing, working, sleeping every day, where you go on vacation, how many ice cream cones you eat in a week, and how far it is from your house to the barbershop, and which is your favorite color. Then after that, please fill out these forms and applications, three copies of each, and be careful. If you make one mistake, you'll have to do it all over again. Sounds like the DMV, right? I was going to say the first one was like when you get a scam email. <laughs> oh dear, said Milo, looking over the pile of papers. We'll never finish these. And even as he spoke, the demons swarmed stealthily up the mountain. Come, come, said the census taker, chuckling gaily to himself. Don't take all day. I'm expecting seven more visitors any minute. 
They set to work feverishly, feverishly on the difficult forms, and when they'd finished, Milo placed them all in the little man's lap and thanked them politely. He thanked them politely, took off his eye shade, put the pen behind his ear, closed the book, and went back to sleep. The humbug took one horrified look over his shoulder and quickly started up the stairs. Destination! shouted the census taker, sitting up again, putting on his eye shade, and taking the pen from behind his ear and opening his book. But I thought, destination, he repeated, making several notations in the leisure. The castle in the air, said Milo impatiently. Why bother, said the census taker, pointing into the distance. I'm sure you'd rather see what, you ha what I have to show you. As he spoke, they all looked up, but only Milo could see the gay and exciting circus there on the horizon, where <clears throat> there were tents and sideshows and rides and even wild animals, everything a little boy could spend hours watching. And wouldn't you enjoy... <clears throat> and wouldn't you enjoy a more pleasant aroma? He said, turning to talk. Almost immediately, the dog smelled... A wonderful smell that no one but he could smell. It was made up of all the marvellous things that had ever delighted his curious nose. And here's something you'll all enjoy hearing, he assured the bug, the humbug. The bug listened with rapt attention. To something he alone could hear, the shouts and applause of an enormous crowd all cheering for him. They stood as if in a trance, looking, smelling, and listening to the very special things that the census taker had provided for them. Forgetting completely about where they were going and who, with evil intent, was coming up behind them. The census taker sat back with a satisfied smile on his puffy little face as the demons came closer and closer until Less than a minute separated them from their helpless victims. But Milo was too engrossed in the circus to notice. Talk had closed his eyes to better, the better to smell. And the bug, bowing and waving, stood with a look of sheer bliss on his face, interested only in the wild ovation. The little man had done his work well, and except for some ominous crawling noises just below the crest of the mountain, Everything was silent again. Milo, who stood staring blankly into the distance, let his bag of gifts slip from his shoulder and onto the ground. And as he did, the package of sounds broke open, filling the air with peals of happy laughter, which seemed so gay that first so gay that first he, then talk, and finally the humbug joined in, and suddenly the spell was broken. There's no more circus, cried Milo, realizing he'd been tricked. And no more smells, barked the barked talk, his alarm now ringing furiously. And the applause is gone, complained the disappointed humbug. <clears throat> I warned you, I warned you I was the senses taker, sneered the senses taker. <laughs> I help people find what they're not looking for. Here what they're not listening for, and run after what they're not chasing, and smell what isn't even there. And furthermore, he cackled, 
hopping around gleefully on his stubbly legs. I'll steal your senses, your sense of purpose, and take your sense of duty, destroy your sense of proportion, and, but for one thing, you'd be helpless yet. What's that? asked Milo fearfully. As long as you have the sound of laughter, he groaned unhappily, I can't take your sense of humor, and with it, <coughs> and with it, you've nothing to fear from me. But what about them? cried the terrified humbug, for at that very instant the other demons had reached the top at last and were leaping forward to seize them. They ran for the stairs, bowling over the disconsolate senses taker, ledger, ink bottle, eye shade and all, as they went. The humbug dashed up first, then Tok, and lastly Milo, almost too late as a scaly arm brushed his shoe. The dangerous stairs danced dizzily in the wind, and the clumsy demons refused to follow. But they howled with rage and fury, and swore bloody vengeance, and watched with many pairs of burning eyes as the three small shapes vanished slowly into the clouds. Don't look down, advised Milo as the bug tottered upward on unsteady legs. Like a giant corkscrew, the stairway twisted through the darkness. Steep and narrow, with no rail to guide them, the wind howled cruelly in an effort to tear them loose, and the fog dragged its clammy fingers down their backs. But up the giddy flight they went, each one helpless. I'm sorry, each one helping the others. <laughs> Uh, that would have been a completely different story. Yeah. Until the last of the clouds parted, the darkness fell away, and a glow of golden sun rays warmed their arrival. The castle gate swung open smoothly. They entered the great hall on a rug soft as a snowdrift, and they stood shyly waiting. Come right in, please. We've been expecting you sang out two sweet voices in unison. At the far end of the hall, a silver curtain parted. Two young women stepped forward. They were dressed all in white and were beautiful beyond compare. One was grave and quiet, with a look of warm understanding in her eyes, and the other seemed gay and joyful. You must be the princess of pure reason, said Milo, bowing to the first. Yes, she answered simply, and that was just enough. <laughs> That's funny. Then you're sweet rhyme, he said with a smile to the other. Her eyes sparkled brightly, and she answered with a laugh, as friendly as the mailman's ring when you know there's a letter for you. We've come to rescue you both, Milo explained very seriously. And the demons are close behind, said the worried humbug, still shaky from his ordeal. And we should leave right away, advised Tok. <clears throat> oh, they won't dare come here, the re said Reason gently. And we'll be down there soon enough. Why not sit and rest for a moment? Suggested Rhyme. I'm sure you must be tired. 
Have you been traveling long? Days, sighed the exhausted dog, curling up on a large downy cushion. Weeks, corrected the bug, flopping into a deep, comfortable armchair, for it did seem that way to him. It has been a long trip, said Milo, climbing onto the couch where the princesses sat. But we would have been here much sooner if we hadn't made so many mistakes. I'm afraid it's all my fault. Okay, I'm going to stop for a second. Okay. So those of you who follow any of uh, what me and my brother do uh, with any sort of devotion, you guys know that we run a business together and that we have, over the last few years, uh, experienced a substantial amount of failure. And we actually had a business meeting before we recorded the podcast. And it's incredible to me we had almost this exact same conversation but without the rhyme and reason portion <laughs> funny. Uh, you're right yeah because we had the the conversation of we would have gotten here much sooner if we hadn't made so many mistakes right. and uh i i had taken the point of it's my fault i'm not doing it right so that's a little bit uh, prophetic uh, but there's uh, an illustration here, real quick. I want to. I, I was like, we always say how relevant this book is. I know today. it's now it's catching up. Like right. it's soon, the next chapter is going to tell us the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, seated between rhyme and reason, Milo does not look much. Does not look. Does not so much look tired as bewildered. Uh, like a typical Pfeiffer character caught up in an existential dilemma, and unable here literally to choose which way to turn. So there's a really, really beautiful uh, illustration here, uh, which Pfeiffer did all of this stuff in line drawings with pink, with ink pen. Yeah. Uh, all of the shading and everything is done with ink pen and it's really, really brilliantly done. Uh, and there's not uh, many books out there that have anything similar and especially nothing that's on par with yeah. the Phantom Tollbooth. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's all, it's all so brilliantly done. Um, so if you can if you can look well, it, up any of the art from yeah, the book, it just it's perfectly really fits the uh, like feel of the book, the like, whimsy of it all. Yeah, yeah. Know, when you're reading it and then you you come up to an illustration, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's that that was the picture being painted with the words. You must never feel badly about making mistakes. Explained reason quietly. <laughs> as long as you take the trouble to learn from them. Mm. God, preach it. <laughs> for you often learn more by being wrong for the right reasons than you do by being right for the wrong reasons. My God. Could that... Like... We were talking about that earlier, too, actually, today. Like, it's... it's That's a problem we have in just society in general, is we have people thinking they're so right about something. And... It's better to be wrong for the right reasons than to be right for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and it's okay to fail. Yeah. But there's just so much to learn, he said with a thoughtful frown. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true, admitted Rhyme. But it's not just learning things that's important. It's learning what to do with what you learn and learning why you learn things at all that matters. Man. That's just what I mean, explained Milo as talk and the exhausted bug drifted quietly off to sleep. Many of the things I'm supposed to know seem so useless, and I can't seem 
and I can't see the purpose in learning them at all. You may not see it now, said the Princess of Pure Reason, looking knowingly at Milo's puzzled face. But whatever we learn has a purpose, and whatever we do affects everything and everyone else. If even in the tiniest way, why, when a housefly flaps its wings, a breeze goes round the world, and when a speck of dust falls on the ground, the entire planet weighs a little more. And when you stamp your foot, the earth moves slightly off its course. Wherever you laugh, gladness spreads, like the ripples in a pond. And wherever you're sad, no one anywhere can really be happy. And it's much the same thing with knowledge. For whenever you learn something new, the whole world becomes that much richer. And also remember, added the Princess of Sweet Rhyme, that many places would like to see, you would like to see are just off the map, and many things you want to know are just out of sight or a little beyond your reach. But someday, you'll reach them all. For what you learn today, for no reason at all, will help you discover all the wonderful secrets of tomorrow. I think I understand, said Milo, still full of questions and thoughts. But which is more important? At that moment, the conversation was interrupted by a far-off chopping noise. With each loud blow, the entire room and everything in it shook and rattled. Down below in the murky, on the murky peak, the demons were busily cutting away the, cutting the stairway loose with axes and hammers and saws. But before long, the whole thing collapsed with a tremendous crash and the startled humbug leaped to his feet just in time to see the castle drifting slowly off into space. We're moving, he shouted, which was a fact that had already become obvious to everyone. <laughs> I think we had better leave now, said Rhyme softly, and Reason agreed with a nod. But how will we get down now? groaned the humbug, looking at the wreckage below. There's no stairway, and we're sailing higher every minute. Is it good? <laughs> or is that the... Well, time flies, doesn't it? Asks Milo. On many occasions, barked Tok, <laughs> jumping eagerly to his feet. I'll take everyone down. Beautiful. Beautiful. Can you... <laughs> can you carry us all? For a short distance, said the dog thoughtfully. The princesses can ride on my back. Milo can catch a hold of my tail, and you can hang on to his ankles. But what of the castle in the air? The bug objected, not very pleased with the arrangement. Let it drift away, said Rhyme. Good riddance, added Reason. For no matter how beautiful it seems, it was still nothing but a prison. Talk then backed up three steps and with a running start, 
bounded through the window with all his passengers and began a long glide down. The princesses sat tall and unafraid. Milo held on as tight as he could, and the bug swung crazily, like the tail on a kite, down through the darkness as they plunged to the mountains and monsters below. And there is a, uh, a, a, a an annotation here at the end that says, uh, I'll take every one down. Uh, in The Poetics of Space, the French philosopher Gaston Bachelard remarks, Common sense lives on the ground floor. Reason has long been associated metaphorically with groundedness, as in the expression down to earth. The mythic Icarus defies reason, held aloft only by wings made of wax. He flies too close to the sun and plummets to earth. By contrast, Milo and his companions, with rhyme and reason at their side, make it safely back to terra firma. It's great. I, I, I love this book. It's so... At this point, we don't even need to gush anymore. I know, we... but I do, because it's so good, dude. I was talking to Caleb about it, because he was asking what book we were reading through, and I was just... Like, I couldn't properly describe to him how good this book is, and how, like, easy it is to go back to, because it's just, like, you, you get something different out of it every time. So, this is, this is kind of interesting. Um... The, the 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 annotations on um, the page where they're they're talking about what you must learn, right? Uh, so for the for the line, but it's not just learning things that's important; it's learning what to do with what you learn. Rhyme here sounds like an advocate for American progressive education, whose proponents favored what Bank Street College of Education founder Lucy Sprague Mitchell called relationship thinking over traditional forms of rote learning. So uh, relationship thinking is learning to learning to associate knowledge rather than memorize knowledge. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really interesting that it's something that uh, Juster was adding in and even here with the annotation pointing out um, so, so long ago. Because you got to remember, like he wrote this in the 60s right so this is this was back before the education system had really taken the dive that it's on now yeah um and i've i've worked with schools in california and while there are a lot of really great people that work for the schools uh they they're just not equipped or even trained to really teach children to think they just teach children to behave and memorize yeah and, uh, and at the end of the day, that's that's not doing any sort of service to the children at all, yeah. or um, society in general. Yeah, because you're you're not building people who are going to be independent and thoughtful. You're building people who are more or less just learning to be dependent on someone else telling them what to do. Yeah, and uh, it, it's very hard to teach people to think for themselves because almost everything that we have. As, uh, as people in general, is learning to be told what to do. Right. And you and I talk about this all the time, about how the education system as it is today was built to make factory workers or farm workers and send them from school to a, 
a 40-year a, a job that they retire yeah. from. Yeah. Why do you think, like, why do you think the school system is so, like, strict on, like, scheduling and just, like, having those, that, that start time be when it is, that lunch time be when it is, it's so that you're used to that when you go into the workforce. I know it sounds like it sounds conspiracy theories. Well, but Benjamin Franklin was one of the people who made that system. Well, and before, like, yeah, but it got even worse during the uh, Industrial Revolution when, like, yeah. factories became, because our school system was set up, like, our current, like, what is used today in America was set up by major corporations back in the late 1800s, early 1900s during the Industrial Revolution. Right. Because they wanted people who were easily told what to do, could adhere to a schedule, and like had a good retention of tasks. Right, and that's what they got. Well, uh, and it's it is it is uh, it is interesting how Ryman Reason's advice to him was not just about learning what to do with what you learn, but learning why those things are important to you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's 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 a, it's a very long form way of saying. Well, one, they're quoting the butterfly effect. Yeah. With the the, the, the horsefly flapping its yeah. wings and all of that. But what they're doing more than that is saying that it's more important important to learn to learn, so that whatever you're you're reaching for on the horizon is achievable. Yeah. Because the things you learn today that seem nonsensical can be what brings you what you want tomorrow. Very true. So it's it's talking about the importance of, of learning and learning to learn as opposed to just memorizing something. Yeah. yeah. Having yeah. a learning to practically apply what you've learned. Right. And it's it is interesting to to even because we don't even stop to think about it. Like we don't stop to think like when you're in school, oh memorize these dates memorize the events associated with them and then you or, never use it again in or your this, life or this formula or this like do you do you remember that guy who went on jeopardy and won like millions of dollars because he was like a, a 32 time champion or some shit yeah yeah shite stuff <laughs> the, yeah the, i don't remember what his name was but he he like Kenneth something, wasn't it? it might have been but yeah he was on and he was a champion for like like four or five seasons yeah. of the show right and uh, they ended up like eventually just not inviting him back to play because he had won too much. But that's the only practical application of just memorizing stuff. Yeah. And like, how many I mean, people worked out for him? I mean, yeah, and I was gonna say, how many people have done that? I think like four. Four a, a, ever, and like mo like the people who have won really big at game shows are usually people who learn how to cheat the game show. Like that, he's probably one of the first ones who's won it fairly. Yeah, and that's that's incredible to me. So the the idea that it is more important to learn how to learn than it is what you learn, yeah, is such a vague and misrepresented concept in in society. It's it's almost funny. It's funny and sad, <laughs> right? Because it's it's a huge problem that's never addressed. And, and clearly it was a problem even back then because he was he was witnessing it and that you know you, you write about what's around you well and even even 
with us, like we have a few children in our lives, our nephews being two of them. And on on occasion, you will get these these young children even who will ask, uh, uh, why do I why do I need to know that? Why do I need to learn? And that's one of the curious questions: is why do I need to learn that? Yeah. But it gets to a point where that becomes the bastion call. That becomes the 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 mating call of ignorance. Yeah. Because you eventually get to a point where you're always so busy questioning why you need to learn something that you just stop learning altogether. Right. Which is just crazy to think, because I, I, and most of the people who listen to Endless Epic, I think, are probably right there in that same realm where you're constantly curious, you're constantly wanting to learn things. So the idea that there are people out there who are just who 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 read books in high school, then never read any books after that, yeah, and never focused on learning anything new after that point, like those people exist. And like you can't be you can't be mad at them because they're the majority. Well, yeah. Because well, you're you're not taught in high school why it's important to know how to learn things. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's the point. Uh, I, I, you change my mind. I'm I'm willing to be proven wrong that that's the point of school. Like, it, it's to make you complacent. Because then then you you go out and get your your. 40 hour a week job plus whatever even if you go to college maybe you're working 60 hours a week you you get the house mortgage you get the car you know loan you get credit card debt and you're paying into the system well and so just just as a as a as a uh, real world example like i said i've done a lot of work with schools out here in california and uh, there are a lot of really great teachers yeah but most of the teachers in the system are very complacent. Like, I'm just going to show up, make my forty to $60,000 a year, uh, and collect my benefits at the end of my career. Right. And it's not that they don't care about the kids. It's that the system itself doesn't reward being an exceptional teacher. So they have no reason to go above and beyond for kids that they have no control over. Yeah. So it, part of it is complacency on the part of the teachers, but other... The larger part is complacency on the part of the system and the parents. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And like I've, I had uh, one of the one of the teachers who I, I know. She uh, was she's a math teacher, and she had a student who uh, was failing, and for reasons that I'm not going to mention here on the podcast. But the student was failing, and because of uh, quota issues with the school. They were trying to force that teacher to give the the student passing grades. Yeah, see that's crazy, dude. And when she's and the teacher said, "Okay, well, I'll I'll retest this student, but I'm not just going to give this student passing grades for not passing." Yeah. And uh, she got in a lot of trouble for it. Like she almost lost her job over it. Yeah. See, there's two problems there. One, like her almost getting in trouble for that. Like that's wrong. Like that's totally just off base. Like, and and two, like that kid is probably like going to have a really hard life because of how he's being taught now, and not being shown that it's okay to fail. But you need to be able to fail and learn why you failed and and move on. Right. 
and that's not how school works. Well, it, school it, is taught to is school is designed to teach us that failure is bad. Yeah, and, that's and that crazy dude, absolutely insane. Well, and that's and that's how a lot of the teachers I've interacted with over the the last you know eight years. That's how a lot of them are. Like a yeah. lot of them are either um, complacent because they know that there's not much that they can do, so they don't try, or they do try and they'll get fired, or uh, they'll have a high standard and they'll get fired, or worse, they're like a highly emotional teacher who will try to teach the kids their perspective yeah. rather than teaching their children how to think. Right. So you get this this free form of indoctrination where you have. Uh, sometimes incredibly mentally unstable teachers teaching children the way that they think and then sending these kids out to not know how to problem solve but rather just react to things yeah which is just it's it's not copacetic for these children having a productive future and it's it's scary more than a little bit that something that was being written about 60 years ago now yeah, yeah. Is it? Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> is it was able to see that this is a a problem? Because Milo's Milo's biggest quandary, his his biggest problem with himself is he's like, I don't know what to do with the things I'm learning. Yeah, he's like, they don't seem to make any sense to me. And rhyme and reason just go. It's more important that you learn the things and learn why you're learning them and learn to learn because it's not important necessarily what you're learning right now but use those things as practice yeah. for learning yeah yeah learning to learn that's a that's a really uh interesting uh, uh concept that i don't think is explored or talked about often enough so because that it like it's to be able to learn something is a skill Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it, some it's, some people have, like are are a little bit more adept and like naturally able to just pick up on things better than others, but to really be able to learn something and like practically apply that because that's what learning is is when you have information knowledge given to you and then you take it and apply it in some way, shape, or form. That's learning. Yeah. And that, that's that's not really taught. I mean, you, you get it in like, I don't know, PE. Well, I mean, like, there was a there was a there was a quote from somebody, and they try it with math, but you know. Yeah, there was a quote from somebody that was talking about math. It's like uh, the the most practical math ever gets with us is is learning to go grocery shopping. Yeah. And that's or, that is a that is a like staggering example yeah because like how many how many apples how many oranges is the is the last real bit of practical application you're taught in high school with math yeah i was like yeah get, like and and if you're clever learning to apply math is is something that can be easily done but the majority of people are not born clever well when you get to college you can like take counting classes and and different and engineering classes and that like and, you know will teach you to practically apply these things yeah and why math is so important but in in high school and in I, elementary yeah, school i was like i guarantee you, you ask 80 percent of people what their least favorite subject was in school and it's probably going to be math uh, or history it's almost guaranteed going to be math or history and those 
arguably, two of the most important ones. Arguably are the two most important subjects that you can learn because history, you're literally, like, it's literally what not to do. Life. So here's here's the crazy thing. So and, and math. Do you remember do you, do you remember that song by the YouTuber Boy in a Band? No, I don't. Okay, so there he's a he's a British rapper. Okay. And his name is he goes by Boy Boy in a Band. I don't That's remember what his real name is. Hilarious. Um but he he wrote a song about school. I'll show it to you when we're done. Um but the 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 crazy thing about it is he goes through this whole song is about how you're not taught how to be a person in school. Right. And that your parents usually don't teach you these things either. And one of the lines in the song is, I was never taught what laws there are. Let me repeat that. We are never taught what laws there are. And that surprised me. Because every... Uh, I don't remember what the, um, what the name of the class is. But almost every school, at least in America has a, a, an economics course in high school and it's like ethics or or some something like that uh where they actually do teach you what the most important like laws and bill of rights and constitution like you 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 learn that right. in high school right but it was probably presented to this guy and everybody else in such a way that was so bland and so innocuous. Yeah, I was like, I think that he didn't remember. Yeah. 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 It's it's, it's... God, I, I wish I could remember what the name of the the classes were. Uh it's not ethics. It's Damn it. If anybody knows, tweet me about it. Huh? Not economics. It's not ethics or economics. It's it's something else. I know. What you're, yeah, I know. What you're talking about my and and my brain is failing me on this. Um. But point being, they do teach that in schools. Yeah. But it is taught in such an innocuous way that children don't remember. Yeah. Like we're we're we're, we're we put so much focus on this. In, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue crap that's, that ends up not even being true. Right. That we don't remember any of the important things. Like, why does it matter what year the Revolutionary War was? Why does it, why does it matter what year the Civil War was? All these things tell us is how long ago our ancestors made mistakes. Right. Or how long ago they had successes. That that should not that should not matter as much as the thing itself being remembered. Yeah, the content of what actually you're being, what's being discussed. And we we we're, especially now in 2020, we're going through this whole thing about uh, what is more important, intent or or uh, or action. Like, is is it more important what you intended to do or what the consequence of what you did was? I personally am of the mind that if your intent and your execution were done all in good. And the outcome ends up being poor, then you're not nothing. Nothing that you did was wrong. Yeah. Like there are some some acts of nature you just cannot control. Yeah. So if I go and I uh, I build a school and then all of those children end up being idiots because their parents are lazy, that's not the fault of the school. If all of my teachers are very committed and the curriculum is engaging and children are given individual attention, that's not the fault of the school. That's the fault of the parents. Right. And I think that that's, that's an important thing to, to remember is that when we're teaching children things, 
we should be trying to get them to learn to learn, not learn to memorize. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two things that I think aren't, uh, and you actually just made me think of uh, something that it's not really educational based, but it, it is super relevant in, especially today, that uh, is not a common practice or even thought about, but we need, we need to be teaching our kids to learn to learn and to take accountability. Oh, accountability or, is a huge or, thing. Well, and, and let me clarify that because people, people hear that and they think, oh yeah, like obviously when, when some, when you make a mistake or when, you know, you do something, you need to be accountable for what you do. Yes, absolutely. But you also need to take accountability and of things that you didn't do like that that are affecting your life and people lives around you and, and by that i mean like that is how a you, solid point how that you, is a solid how point. you react to something like because yes there 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 is blame there's things there that are someone else's fault but you are always responsible for how you react to those things right well and then you get the people who are extremists who goes who say well oh if i was if i was shot how am I responsible for those things? Well, if you're shot and you survive, the things you are responsible for is is your uh, how how well you recover. Well, yeah. Like, how, 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 you... how much attention are you paying to the physical therapy that you can access? Yeah, you are. You might get a raw deal. You might not have money to do a certain amount of things. But the way that you respond to that thing happening to you Absolutely. is 100% your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, the responsibility, yeah. So one of the best examples that we have of this, and it's actually a little bit of a personal example, so it's going to be an anecdote, but our father had a stroke when I, when I, was, when I was 14. Yes. He had a massive stroke that paralyzed him completely on his right side. And we all, we all busted into him, and within a year, he was back to 85% functionality, and he went back to work after a... A, a devastating stroke. Well, yeah, all of his doctors said that he would never work again. He said they said he would never walk again. Yeah, and we ended up getting him back to work, but it was because of his own tenacity to a point. And then as he gave up, well, yeah, because you can support someone when something like that happens, but you can't force them to do things. Right. Like that is you, the old saying is so accurate. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Correct. You know that absolutely applies here. Like if you have a support system or you are supporting someone that helps but it's not the end all like it's not what's going to do it and the, the, what i want to point out especially if if you are somebody who who deals with this a lot from other people when you're trying to encourage people if you if you're someone who is dealing with people saying like oh i can't control the things that happened to me like point out to them that they have no control over anything that happens to them you can control very little about your life, and that is nature. Because unless you are controlling time as it spins, you are in control of very little. There are a lot of proactive things you can do to make your life more predictable, Yeah. but you control none of it. And it is all left up to the randomness of the cycles of the universe. Right, which actually leads to uh, uh, just a little like, backup point to this. Like, it's okay to feel shitty and like if something bad happens to you like yeah you don't have absolutely. to be super positive cheery about it but that that has nothing to do with how you respond like it's okay 
if you're having a bad day, that's fine. If something really bad happens to you and you have like grief or anger, that's okay too. It's the like it's what you do with that that's important. Right. How you respond to the thing. Because those are emotions. Everybody has them. Yeah. You will never get rid of them. It's it, how you how you react to those emotions and how you react to the situation at hand. That's right. what matters. And boy was this a tangent. Still think it's relevant, but man, this was a quite Right. Well and it, because it, it it all goes back to the same thing. Like rhyme and reason. <laughs> rhyme and reason. You have to be willing to it because like I've seen a lot of people online recently arguing that like, oh of course things are emotional. Of course you're having an emotional argument or emotional response to these things. Of course, of course, of course it's to be expected. Like emotional thinking is human thinking. It's the yeah. only way to go. Incorrect. And if if emotional thinking were were what helped us survive, we wouldn't survive. No. Um, emotions are important. Right. And they're good. You can't be devoid of emotion when making decisions. Yeah, I was like, otherwise you were literally just a zombie and you, there's no point in you. Like, there, it, it's a dichotomy. But when you're dealing with decisions en masse, when you're talking about a lot of people, like say in the, in the instance of governments, it's a government's job to do what's best for all of its people. Yeah. But when it comes to making decisions on things like policy, it is a government's decision to do what is best for the largest majority of people because you can't be perfect no you cannot do it perfectly so that's why these things like it has to affect negatively the minimum amount of people and affect positively the maximum amount of people yeah because we all live in a perfect world right and we obviously, want to, we want to yeah i was like obviously if we could do something that would benefit everyone to the fullest potential that's who wouldn't do that it would be ideal but it's it's not it's not how the world works and this goes back to the world will be a much better place when you as an individual learn how to control how you take things in and learn how to then turn around and output that as positive energy yeah because yeah i mean you good example uh, or not necessarily a good example but a bad example and a good example is that two years ago, we lost our parents six months apart. And for a very short, brief period of time, we fell apart. Like we, we, we lost a lot of money, our business nearly failed. Uh, we ended up making a lot of really bad decisions because we were responding to things emotionally and reactory. And it was, it was unfortunate and it was hard. Yeah. But then we turned around and we've now started making smarter business decisions. We've started investing more time in ensuring that our family, meaning you and I and our nephews and our sisters, um, are being well cared for and that we're, we're pushing towards a brighter future and taking the bad things that happen in stride as opposed to letting them dictate what we do. Right. But it took us almost two years to get to that. Yeah, and, and we're still, like, we still have a long way to go. Like, it's not like... It's and that's the other thing is is it's okay if it takes time too. Like it's, right. You it's all a process. You're never you're never gonna do anything perfectly. Yeah. But you can learn to learn. Yeah. And then you can learn to apply those things that you are learning over time. And that's 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 really ends up being the message of this whole thing. <laughs> and that's the Phantom Tolls. <laughs> yeah. Norton Juster managing to give us a lot of personal advice on stuff we weren't even aware of. Yeah, I know, right? That's all funny. right. Well. Uh, 
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that is going to be it for this evening. Did you uh, have anything you wanted to plug real quick? Uh, not right off the bat. Um, we you... are we are starting to stream back on our uh, company. No, no, we, you. you I, well, I am, yes. But we, we there. <laughs> uh, Punktown TV forward slash. No, sorry. Twitch.tv forward slash Punktown TV. No, we took over. It's Punktown TV yeah, forward slash Twitch.tv. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's ours now. Uh, yeah, we are. We're gonna have a, a regular schedule going up there um, in the, uh, the weeks to come. Um, I will be on that roster. Uh, start regularly. Yeah, starting Mondays. Um, so come check that out. It's pretty cool. It's a place to hang. Yeah, and it's then cool uh, you you can also follow him on Instagram. You can. Not a lot going on there currently, but there will be. Uh, at Anne Sean three N's uh, four technically A N N N S E A N so there's four N's right, there are four N's and then you have your portrait photography page which is at C dot bash yes, so S E A dot bash C as in the C yes and then TikTok real thick Jesus yep real thick Jesus you finally started uploading yeah, one video every three weeks yep, which is there's, there's stuff going out on there <laughs> keep an eye out never know when I'm gonna put uh, something on TikTok I don't either and uh, yeah and of course you guys know you can always follow me on any of my social medias I'm either at the real slim Jesus or at real slim Jesus on any of the platforms uh, or unless it's YouTube I'm just youtube.com forward slash slim Jesus and uh, yeah, I, I upload videos to two, well, right now, two to five times a week on uh, YouTube. Cool. I upload uh, weekly or sometimes monthly on Instagram. That's funny. And uh, yeah, I make TikToks just about every day over on TikTok, as well as the other TikTok-like platforms. So if you like any one of them uh, better, you can follow me on any of them. It's, it's sorry, you just made me have a realization. Yes, I'm going to waste the time on the podcast to bring it up, but... It's so weird that TikTok has like, like you make TikToks. That's the only platform. Like you don't make an Instagram. Like you don't you, you post to Instagram and like you, you don't, don't make a YouTube. You don't make a YouTube. You don't make a Twitter. You tweet. You know you post a YouTube video. Like TikTok is the only. Like I'll give it to them because like, but if that's you, what you do. If you use a chicken's beak to write it, it's called tweeting. True. It's a Moana reference. Yeah, right. That's anyways. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that is going to be all for us today. Thank you so much for joining us in our adventure with Milo and his friends beyond the Phantom Tollbooth. We hope that you will join us next time that we traverse into this mystical world of metaphor and melancholy. Until next time, my friends, stay bloodthirsty and remember, all hail 